Hello, little family and friends. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited about this last part of the service. You're about to sit in on a discussion with three pastors. Let me tell you how the conversation started and came to be what we're doing here this morning. I was driving into church and my pastor, Simeon, who pastors the church up the road, he happens to be an African-American. He, he copied me in a letter that he, an email he sent off to one of the local reporters and said, I'd like to do an opinion piece on what's going on in the nation right now. So I picked up the phone, he's my friend, and I said to him, Simeon, I said, I think that's great. I just want to commend you on that. And I pulled into his church parking lot just so I could focus to talking with him and said, hey, you wouldn't happen to be at the church. He said, no, but I see your car. I'm coming right over. As he came over, the two of us sat down, and for two and a half hours, we had some of the most open, clear, and safe conversation on racial issues that I've had in a long time. But I want you to know that I've had a long lifetime of many of these conversations. And I think that this time has come now that us as a church, we sit down and we converse on this. And so that's why we're taking a pause on Psalm 1 and picking it up next week. And we're gonna let you in on a conversation that I think is very relevant for the kingdom and for us. Uh, I think you need to hear this as a pastor of one of the most diverse churches that I've ever had the honor of serving in. It has been the dream of my heart and my Bible that I have here. This is my first Bible. One of the pastors in my freshman year said, write down a dream you want God to fulfill in your life. And what I wrote down in it was simply this, that God would give me the honor of being the pastor of a inner city, multi-racial group of people, the kingdom of heaven on earth, every tribe, nation, and tongue under one Lord Jesus Christ. I think at the same time, you need to hear some things from me as a pastor, and especially me as a white pastor. First of all, when all of this began, I was in Connecticut helping my father get on oxygen because he has COPD. I called into the church and asked Pastor, pastor Kevin and Pastor Dylan, please put together a video because we need to communicate right away on this. And so they did. I'm grateful for that. Their hearts are, are so right and in the right place. I'd already written a newsletter that you've gotten by now, but I just feel that that wasn't enough. What I want to say to you is this, hear this, hear my heart. What happened to George Floyd was sin, it was murder, it was racism, and it was wrong. That does not mean that, that it's about George Floyd because it's a bigger thing than just one person. We could put a thousand names and a thousand faces and places in that. We could trade that out. This is an issue in our country that is real that we need to face. And that's what the beginning of this conversation is. It's just a conversation. We're not going to talk about everything that, that we should because we didn't have enough time. And we're not going to say everything perfect because we didn't want it to be scripted. And, and we just wanted it to be sincere. But I think what we need to do as a nation is to sit down and do what Isaiah said. Come, let us reason together. Let me, let me share a couple of things with you beyond that as I close and we begin to open this discussion Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, there is a time to grieve. I think what people are looking for from me as a pastor is not for me to apologize for a history that wasn't at my hand, but to grieve, to identify and say that was wrong. My heart is broken. I saw that clip and I talked with my sons about it. I never want to see that video clip again, but I never want to lose in my heart and in my life, the action that I want to take to make sure that that never happens under my watch or in my presence. I also want you to know that we have the answer. 
I'm not a politician and I'm not a lawyer, so I can't give you all the answers. I want you to know that I have people that are black, people that are white, and people that are police officers that love God and love people. And it's not right that so few get to speak for so many. Many people have been saying silence is violence. I, I understand that. But I also think you'll see from this conversation this is that people are afraid to say the wrong thing. And so what we need to do is create a discussion where we can be willing to say the right thing the wrong way and not call people out. That's not what followers of Christ do. We call people up. I close with this. We have the answer because Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 43. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your neighbor, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends uh, rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even the tax collectors do that. And if you only greet those who are your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I remember a friend of mine who was a Christian. He had a Muslim look him in the face, and he said, you have the answer to bring peace to the Middle East and to change the world. Everyone says love your neighbor. Everyone says love your family. Only Jesus says love your enemies. Let's call each other up, and let's talk through things. And we're not going to get it perfect, and that's why we grace each other. And we need to... Learn in order to understand, you've got to be willing to stand under. I hope that this conversation blesses you, but it also begins ones that, uh, of conversations, many that we need to have in our homes with our children and with our friends, with our neighbors, and if we have even the privilege and the honor, even with our enemies. We love you, appreciate you, and we'll see you after this next week for Psalm chapter 1. In the meantime, welcome to a discussion among friends. God bless you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Simeon Damas, and I am the pastor of First Baptist Church in, in Tewksbury. Um, so uh, I have with me uh, this morning uh, Reverend Paul Conway uh, on my left and Reverend uh, Baxter Chisholm on my right. And the reason for this uh, meeting, uh, our conversation, is to talk about the, the ongoing um, protests that we have uh, across uh, this country and um, and Paul and I we actually talked uh, yesterday we had a very long conversation uh, when Paul saw an email that I sent to one of our reporters here in town and he he said hey um, can I come over can we talk and we we, we spent some time uh, talking about the the issues that we are facing uh, not just as black Americans, but uh, uh, white Americans and the country as a whole. So the idea here, the idea here is to have a conversation, a conversation about race relations in this country and how we can better this country by, by working together as a people. Yeah. yeah. I love the word conversation because mm -hmm. uh, all three of us work within the same area, within Middlesex County, Merrimack Valley. But the truth of the matter is, is even as we're talking here, I, there are probably a thousand students through the years that I've interacted with that I know are gonna look at this. And at first, my, my heart was like, I would love to get them all in a room because number one, it would be a conversation, it wouldn't be a conflict. And, 
and then I would be able to feel safe to be able to to be clumsy and maybe me coming to know what I don't know mm -hmm. and and be able to say what I'm thinking, express what I'm feeling, and vice versa. But that was the thing that I appreciated about when I pulled in. We that was that's exactly what it was. It was a conversation between friends, yeah. and then instantly he had uh, Simeon had said, "Hey, let's do this, and let's call up Baxter and see if he'll come." And so we brought him in. So we are the three amigos trying to just talk it through. So right now, forgive us if at any point any of us put our foot in our mouth. I think to so many, so many people in different parts of this are, are wondering if I say the wrong thing, is that going to be detrimental? So we have yeah. a friendship here and a, and a growing friendship that it's, it's a safe space. Yes. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, great to be here. This is a very important discussion. Uh, I don't know about you pastors, but the protests going on and what's going around our country, this one feels different than mm -hmm. the ones in the past. Uh, uh, I'm noticing that there's many uh, white people this time. Instead of hoping it would just go away, they really want change. Mm. And they want to work with, 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 with all people to make sure that things like uh, what happened in Minnesota never happen again. So this is a very important discussion. Uh, this is a, a great time for all the churches to work together to change our world for the better. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, coming, coming here, I was speaking to a friend of mine, uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about uh, is that the, the, the death of, uh, of Floyd, uh, George Floyd, a lot of people looking at him and saying, well, you know, he wasn't an upright citizen. I mean, and, and I think once we start doing that, we're losing you know the con we're losing you know the whole point of this conversation it's not so much about george floyd i think what happened to him is the catalyst that you know that that, that brought about all that brings about all the, the the protests we see but if i may add uh a personal example for instance i, I remember once i was talking to uh uh, a church employee in front of our building, right? And um, it's simple, something simple, very simple. A police cruiser just pull, pulled in and uh, he stopped and looked at her. She, she's white female. And, uh, and then he looked at her straight in the eye and said, are you okay? You know, the implication for me, I mean, I just said, okay, well, I just walked away. Is that my presence itself triggered some sort of a, 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 a safety feature, like feature in that officer saying that, okay, she may not be safe. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the proclivity, mm -hmm. you know, like people looking at you saying, hey, you might be dangerous. Mm -hmm. No one is giving a black person the benefit of the doubt. And, 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 it's not that we believe that all officers are bad. The same way all black people aren't bad. Yeah. The same way we give police officers the benefit of the doubt, black, the black community is asking for the same thing. If you see me walking in your neighborhood, instead of thinking that, you know, he might be potentially a criminal, why don't you give me the same benefit of the doubt that you would give to a white 
person walking down the road. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we've been talking about. It's not so much about George Floyd. I think George Floyd, as we said yesterday, yeah. is the last job that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Really. I was, I was just thinking, like, the, there are some things that I can say and, and speak out into mm -hmm. my culture and be able to push back. I, I, ha I have uh, so many students of color through the years I love. We're in, it, it's never been, like, it's almost odd for me to say it that way. Like, these are my friends, they're students, they're students of colors, because yeah. we've never navigated it that way. But I began to say, help me understand, like, the issue. Um, the, the two things that have been really, I'm trying to process with, is right along with what you said about, about the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody throws out and says, white privilege, right, I think the, Sometimes it's not the it's not the word it's it, it sometimes it's it, there's a there's a better way to help speak in a way that be heard. So I start saying, help me understand like what's white privilege. Somebody says that I instantly think, you think that I have a lot of money, and mm -hmm. you think that, but it's not that. It's actually what we were talking about the other day. Like I can I've never had a single moment in my life where a police officer walked up and made me feel uncomfortable, let alone ask the person that was with me if. They were safe if they were safe yeah. and it that's what we're that's the heart of the issue that i think people are speaking at each other and not to each other that's right is that that we're talking about the benefit of the doubt and mm -hmm. um and just because it's not in us doesn't mean that it's not in the culture or in our in our indirect families or yeah. our direct families and and the conversation is being able to throw out stuff like this say okay what does this mean help me understand and so I said, I said to the student, I said, I said, um, I said, Kevin, I said, Kevin, help me, tell me right now, if I were to do anything that would help with what's going on in the situation, I will do it. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I, I, I said, do I need to look at that and say what happened to George Floyd was murder? What happened to him was racism. What happened to him was wrong because that's where my heart is. And you could just, you could insert hundreds and hundreds of names mm -hmm. over the last couple of decades into that. So, and I said, absolutely. So I watched another young man that I knew through the years throw up the, the symbol, uh, symbol in the, uh, like a, 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 a meme and just said, silence is violence. And I was like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. I want to say the right thing. In fact, biblically, just from since we're all pastors, the Bible says, that even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth closed. <laughs> right. and, uh, and yet now it's like, now all of a sudden I can't do that because, yeah. but so I said, all right, I need to understand this, which means I need to, in order to understand, you've got to stand under and listen. So that, that, was, a, that was a helpful thing with, with us talking, but also with someone else, the benefit of the doubt. Sure. I'm going to use the, I can use this illustration and it's safe and I'm going to throw it out there. Sure. We began to talk about it yeah. when, Nobody looks at every white man in a neighborhood and said, that's a pedophiliac. That's a, this is, I'm making a strong statement now, but yeah. this, is, this makes the point. Nobody, but why is it that when people walk into certain neighborhoods, it's like, why is he here? What's he up to? Even just recently in, in the area, there's a friend in our family, uh, a black family, and the, the, the kid was walking home from school, and uh, someone pulled up next to him and said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going home. And they said, well, you don't mind if I follow you to make sure that you do that. And they followed this kid, this is a kid, till they walked into their house. Like, nobody's ever done that to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, pastors, uh, I was talking to uh, other Christians 
uh, recently, and we were talking about all that's going on in our country with uh, George Floyd and, you know, even going back to uh, religious facilities like what happened in Pittsburgh. Mm. You know, uh, uh, one of the things we talked about was how hard it is to say white privilege. It's almost like fingernails going down yeah. a chalkboard. Yeah. It, it, it's hard for me to say because, you know, growing up in central Alabama, I never realized that I had privilege. Uh, I grew up in a place where the county and the town I grew up in were named after significant Confederate generals. In my county, there was a one and only retirement home for Confederate soldiers. You can go there today and you can see their graves. Uh, I grew up in a place in the south part of my county. You can drive down the interstate going towards Florida, the Panhandle, the Alabama coast, and there is this huge Confederate flag waving over the interstate. That's uh, a problem. <laughs> this stuff was normalized for me. You know, this, this was like uh, just part of the past. I wasn't a part of it. You know, uh, knowing a lot of people that say this, don't blame me for what's happening yeah. in our country today because I was not a part of it. But that's not true. We're, we're all a part of it. And we got to speak up and share the good news of God mm-hmm. more than ever. I want to preach harder now. How, how many of you want to preach harder? <laughs> like, can you preach yeah. enough? Uh, but to, to my white privilege, there, there's just things in the system that is designed uh, for somebody who looks like me. Like uh, there's a lot of places in our country where uh, voting rights is an issue. It's hard to go vote. Uh, in my home state of Alabama, I don't want to pick on my home state, but this, this happened recently. They, they closed some polling places in places that are predominantly African-American. And uh, how, can you, how can you go vote? How can you get off work if you have to go so far to do, just do something that every American over the age of 18 has to do? Hmm. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, there's things that it, it was easy for my family to uh, send me off to college. Uh, it, it was easy for this and easy for that, where a lot of my, our African-American brothers and sisters just don't have. Just little nuances like that that you don't pick up in the system. Yeah. And it's wrong. It's wrong, but Simeon, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing for me as a white person to talk about white privilege, but how, how do you see it? I think, you know, the thing is, is that we have some key words, some code words in this country. The moment you say them, you, you kind of shut some people out, right? Uh, and I think the moment we, you know, we insert, you know, certain words, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, it, he's, he's on the left or on the right. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're talking about here is not so much left, right is evil versus wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, talking about what it means to have privilege and to, to be white and things like that. I think it's important to talk about those things. Um, you know, me walking into a store and and and, and with a white friend, um, uh, it's not the me walking into a store is not the same as a white person walking into a store. You know, for the most part, most stores, you know, there, there's no issue whatsoever. I mean, let's put it this way: we've we've come a long way as a country. 
But I think the way we look at people, the way we subconsciously judge people, and I think that's the problem we're talking about here. Not not being able to say, okay, this guy, okay, he, he he's black, but that doesn't mean that he's automatically uh, a, a sexual predator. It doesn't mean automatically he is here to steal something. Yeah. Doesn't mean that. And, and that's what we're talking about. Let us have the same benefit of the doubt. You know, think about it. Before you call the cops, you know, you have a black kid in your neighborhood. You know, you think that he doesn't belong in that neighborhood. Before you call the cops, you know, check your motive. You know, what's my motivation? What's in my heart? Am I, I mean, why do I feel unsafe? What, what information do I have to form that kind of opinion? It's almost like uh, memes, right? Like yeah. you just find a picture, you capture it, and you throw a slogan up there. Our culture moves so fast mm -hmm. right now that I could totally tag somebody for good or for bad by just throwing. Nobody asks, like, is it right or is it wrong? They just see it. Does it resonate with you? Does it yeah. laugh? And then it galvanizes this instant thought there of, like, oh, that's 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 right or i i just think like it's di i i didn't grow up in the south and that that's where i appreciate you being at the table too Baxter, because like mm -hmm. for me in the northeast i've my if you look at my bible the first bible i got my mom gave it to me before i even came to christ inside it said i want to be the pastor of an inner city church that is multi-ethnic that looks like heaven like that was that's in my bible right in my office right now and so it's so funny because a lot of me navigating this I think people, when we're talking about this, people coming from my vantage point, from my color, want, want to get it off the table. They're like, that's not me. I'm not looking at people like that. I, I'm just, there's, there's some, I think the two key issues to this whole thing mm -hmm. that is keeping distance is one, that you can, there's a grieving going on. There's mm -hmm. a cultural, national grieving going on. And people are, are saying silence is violence, but people are afraid to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So, but I think even to say it right here, whatever, like we're brothers in Christ. There are tons of you out there who know who I am and know that that isn't even who I am, but yet it doesn't mean that you don't need to hear from me. What's been happening is wrong. It's in fact, it's sin, it's sin. Yeah. And the irony is this, the church is the place for this conversation. Numbers chapter one, Miriam and Aaron, the two family members, had an issue with Moses because his wife was a Cushite. It was totally from, and now here's the thing, right? Like we, we even in that part of the world, there are, it's like racism has been with the world and in the church from the beginning of the time. So, so what, that's something that God says, we need to address this. We need to talk about it. And in fact, God spoke up on that to Miriam and Aaron, right? Mm -hmm. One of them broke out with leprosy. Like what if God were able to drop down in the middle and speak up, but He's, he's not doing that. He's hoping that we do. Yeah. I, and yeah. And, and yeah. I think, you know, part of, the, part of the problem too, though, is that I think the conversation that we've been having in this country has not been a frank conversation. We're not dealing with the, the issues. Yes, the black community, we have some issues in the black community. If you go to Chicago, if you go to Boston, if you go to Baltimore, we have some issues there. We have, you know, a, a lot of crime, you know, happening in those areas and but one of the things that people do not understand is that 99.9 percent .9 of the people who live within those communities those cities 
they're not part of the, the crime gang. They're not part mm -hmm. of the gang. They, they, they're not committing crime. It's just they are captive. They cannot just pack up their bags and, and, and just leave like that. We know they don't have the resources to do that. Yeah. So the same way, you know, 99, you can look at the 99% of the black people living in those communities saying they are, most of them are criminals. They're not, they're not involved in those things. It's the same thing we're looking at the police, right? We're saying that a few bad apples, a few bad apples and the police, you know, you know, it doesn't make the whole institution yeah. racist. Instead you know, of having and, a conversation, oh, everybody's reciprocating and, the and problem. Everybody, everybody so. goes back to their own corner saying, okay, well, I'm this, you that. No, we have to be frank about this conversation. We have, you know, yeah, brutality is yeah. wrong when, he's, when, yeah. when it is by the police. It is wrong when it is by the military. It is wrong when it is by somebody abusing his, uh, his wife, right? So, so we have to talk about those things, but we have to be frank and see where we have problems and try to fix them. And I'm talking about the black community. Yeah. We have problems. We need to fix those problems. And unless we are real about those problems and say, hey, we are doing whatever we can to fix those problems so that, you know, so that whenever somebody's looking at us, they're not going to say, okay, you're part of the 0.0.1%. Mm -hmm. Instead, look at us and say, hey, the majority of black people, they, they're not committing crime. You know, you know, Simeon, you bring up a, a good point, and uh, that's a logical fallacy, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of logical fallacies yeah. because they, 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 they teach something that's wrong and false and not right. So, you know, uh, case in point, uh, problems in Chicago mm -hmm. with African Americans. You know, I think a lot in white America see that, and they're like, oh, well, you know they're they're a problem, so that means that all African Americans are a problem. That's right. Yeah. And uh, in, in in the white world, if I can call it that, I remember when that young man Dylan went into the church and Dylan Charleston, Roof, yeah, yeah, and he 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 shot the and murdered the people. Uh, in white America, it's like, oh, that's that's just one person. That's not us. Yes. Okay. That's oh, white man. privilege. Can yeah. we just pause and take yeah. in the gravity yeah. of that yeah. for a second? We gave we give ourselves a pass, and that's what you're speaking that's, about. That's what we're talking to, about. To your yeah. to, to your culture, yes. to 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 your color, and the same thing. We're doing the same thing, and we're separate. That's so. Uh, anyways, yeah. you know, I have a, uh, some of my uh, friends from high school that are African American. I, I remember having a discussion. And uh, somebody in the African-American community, a black man, made a terrible mistake. And uh, I remember my friend saying, uh, before we found out that it was a, a black man, an African-American, I remember him saying, I hope he's not black. And yeah. I, I go, why? Uh, because we all get blamed for it. Yeah. That broke my heart. Yeah. 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 So, so why does... <laughs> it's just to me, yeah. logically speaking, right? If you, yeah. if you, I mean, this is a civilized country, right? Probably, I mean, I think this is the best country on earth. You know, th this is America is. I think we have uh, a lot of work to do uh, in this country, but I still believe that uh, this country is a civilized society that needs to be improved. Yeah. We have a lot of work to do here to get better, but 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 for us to understand this is to talk with one another, not, 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 not to talk past each other. And, 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 and yeah, so why does somebody's crime, you know, like somebody who 
commits a crime, let's say, let's take Lowell, for instance, right? Yeah. What does that have to do with me? Yeah. Why do you have to look at me and say, oh, they all the same? You know? yeah, yeah. Like, they all do the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, logically speaking, it, it doesn't make sense. It simply doesn't make sense, right? It, it doesn't. Yeah. Paul, uh, as, a, as a white pastor, do you, have you had trouble in the past speaking the truth to racism? Because you're, are, are you're fearful that you're going to get a lot of backlash from your, your, your congregation for speaking the truth. Case in point, uh, mm. one of the churches that I pastored in a, in a rural community, uh, I remember a gentleman coming up to me. And he goes, Baxter, uh, we're, we're glad you're here. I just want to give you some advice. Uh, I don't think it's a good thing if you use any Martin Luther King Jr. quotes. Yeah. yeah. And I go, uh, why? He goes, well, you, you have uh, former members of the Ku Klux Klan in your church. <laughs> and, you know, that's probably not a good idea. You actually have a grand dragon here in this community. And he's a really good guy, and he was framed for a lot of stuff in his past. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. So what did I do? I continued to use Martin Luther King Jr. quotes, and nobody ever said a word, thank God. But when I heard that, it, I can't say I didn't have a little bit of fear. Hmm. Because you're trying to lead a church, you're trying to unite, yeah. and you don't want people to be separated but at the same time, you have to speak truth to the situation. Yeah. And it, it, it was hard, and, but I, I will say that over time that uh, when I see an injustice, I, I speak up. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've had to grow, and that's God yeah. sanctifying my soul. Yeah. You know, uh, hearing the Apostle Paul say there's neither Jew nor Gentile, you know, and putting that into practice. We have to practice our faith, don't we? Yeah. We can believe something, but if we don't practice it, uh, it doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean a thing. Yeah. I just, if it's okay, if I could just yeah, speak to that. You, 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 asked, you asked the question and, and answered it from your perspective. For me, I've grown up, I'm a hopeless case of New England. I lived in Missouri for two years. They kicked me out of the state. They don't understand <laughs> me. We're the most direct, uh, um, you know, uh, to the point kind of people. And, uh, and yet, you know, when I got on the phone with so many of these students and talked face-to-face -face when I was thinking, like, I need to, what do I need to say before I, I try to say it? My wife would tell you that, like, she wished I cared more what people thought when I spoke. And she's always trying to, like, <laughs> you got you to gotta care more and, like, deliver it. Because, again, too, it's just I'm a hopeless part of, of direct New England culture. But, but I, I did, you know, this is where I was like, well, what am I speaking to instead of speaking at? And... In uh, one moment, I, I, there, there are tons of online postings that are going up and just tons and tons of people that I know. And the one that I was put in was, was just, it caught my attention. And I'm like, oh, and it, it was somebody actually thanking me for helping them process. Yeah. I, I'm terrified of speaking to this issue amongst people who are angry and who are parodying me and who are viewing me through one lens that I can't talk for you who don't understand my heart. But the, so I said, you know what? I'm going to talk with people yeah. like Simeon. I'm going to talk with people like Christian. In fact, one of, one of my students, I'm just calling him out by name. I got on the phone with him. His brother is very heavily involved in, in peaceful activism. And, mm -hmm. and he, said, he said, Pastor Paul, I just want to tell you, just be ready for the backlash. If you go here and you talk about that, be ready for the backlash. Yeah. And I'm like, 
I'll lash it back. I, if, if I can't have an honest conversation, if someone gets upset with that, I think that's where the fear for speaking to pastors as a whole, we're afraid to be able to speak to it because there's, if you've already made up your mind where I stand mm -hmm. and, and coming back to the whole, you know, quote unquote, white privilege, I love how you, Simeon put it. We were talking about a Harvard professor that said, mm -hmm. don't try and sanitize the conversation and give, there has to be grace. Like if you, I want to grieve with you, like I'm grieving over what is happening in our country. I'm yeah. grieving over that injustice. I'm grieving over every single one of them from Georgia all the way back to person after person we can name. But at the same time, I'm also wanting to be able to have a conversation where I could put my foot in my mouth and I'm amongst a friend and say, hey, let me, let me help you understand and see something in your blind spot that mm -hmm. might help you with that. And that's where I felt like yesterday, that was exactly what we were doing. It was like, we were, we're, I can call out and speak to my culture, but I can't throw it all out there because there's a thousand different ways I'd be misunderstood. And yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah. we pastors, sometimes we need to be called out. Yes. Yeah. And that's hard constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, uh, like I've been trying to be intentional in the words that I use in the system, mm -hmm. white privilege, yeah. that the culture gives me the ability to say, I, I, I've been trying to watch that, but it's hard. It's hard from time to time to realize that. So I hope people yeah. call me out. If uh, people yeah. from my church that are watching this, uh, you, you can call me out, but let's do it in private. How about, yeah. how about calling up? <laughs> There's a difference up, between yeah. calling out. I don't want to call you out and point you out, and but I want to call you up. Yeah, closer to what God would want us to be. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that. <clears throat> as I said earlier, I think uh, I, I've been to a few countries, um, but I think this country uh, still is the best country. I think we have a lot of work to do as a country, because we're a good country. Because doesn't mean we can't get better. And, and and if you look back a few years back, um, you know the the you know till the civil rights era, um, this country has come a long way, and I think we need to give the the credit to 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 the country for for doing that. Uh, but I also believe that we can be better as a country, and my responsibility as a citizen, or your responsibility as a citizen, is to make sure that we're better this country. My job is to make this country better. Your job is to make the country better. And how do we do that collectively? Yeah. You know, you know? Uh, Simeon, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you bring up a good point. And, and uh, Paul, I believe you brought it up. And Simeon, you brought it up early in our conversation about communication and people getting together and talking. Uh, a lot of times we talk around each other. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we triangulate. We may bring in somebody to kind of help us feel the way we feel, justify that. Um, I have many friends that are very upset about the protesting going on. They don't see any reason for it uh, or, or why. And uh, like you said, things have gotten better yeah. in our country. And I hear them say, well, what more does the African-American community want? Hmm. Things have gotten better. 
Yeah, and in I, some ways they have, in many ways they have. Not. And I think, and I mm. think that's where that's where we say, because because we have gotten better doesn't mean that we have no more room to improve. Yeah, you yeah. know, we we can get a lot better than where we are today. I believe so, and and, and I believe if any country can demonstrate that is this country. Um, the way we can get better to answer to, to you know to your friends is that is the assumption, the presumption that an African-American is somewhat, quote unquote, not good yeah. until they, 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 they will, they're good. And you say, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. You know, once we shift that thinking, once we switch that, Say, okay, I'm going to presume you're innocent until I can prove that you're guilty. Yeah. That's where, you know, meaningful, that's when we can talk about meaningful uh, changes. Mm -hmm. It may yeah. sound simple, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. It may cost somebody his or her life by walking down the road and some, somebody, for some reason, believe that you are uh, you know, you, you, you might be up to no good and call and calls the police and the police comes and the next thing you know, there is a shooting. Now, I just read, I just looked at a, you know, a, a piece of statistic on, I think, the, the Washington Post, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, like we had 32, 33 or so black people died uh, last year where we had 38 police officers died you know, and then in 30, 33 or 32, 32 or 33 people that were, you know, combined races, right? Um, so in the scheme of things, right, we have moved from having, you know, 40-some or 50, whatever the number was before that, to, to have 32 or 33. But I think the problem we're talking about here is the basic decency, human decency, just look at me. Don't think of me as somebody who's there to hurt you or to take something from you. Just look at me as somebody who might just be here to help you or who might just be here to, you know, to, 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 to be your friend or something like that. And, 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 and those things, they are crucial because they help us as a society. I'm not your enemy because of my skin color. My skin color is just biology. That's all it is. Oh, uh, well put. You know, uh, I remember uh, back early in ministry, there was a uh, a movement to uh, bring everybody together into one church. That's hard to do. Yeah. Because for so long we have been separated. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard that the, the church is the most segregated <laughs> Uh, institution in our country yeah that should hurt us yeah uh, but it, it seems like uh, people are reluctant sometimes to merge the beautiful traditions mm. yeah ways of worship uh, into into one uh, case in point I remember one of the first times I went to worship at an african-american church mm -hmm. a friend of mine said take good shoes uh, it was two and a half hours. And uh, a lot of my white brothers and sisters saying, we can't do that. 
uh, what's my point here? There's there's a reluctance. Uh, I think people want to, but there's a reluctance to do the hard work. You know, talking about churches and how we act, how we really are, talking about the hard issues. Mm-hmm. I don't like to talk about the hard issues like we're doing right now. It's hard for me. Uh, it's, it's difficult. Uh, I just want to go home, study my Bible, watch something on Netflix. You know, I just want to do that, but I can't. Yeah. Am I, I making am I making yeah. sense? Yeah. Uh, we have we're coming right to the close of the we, we promised that we wouldn't script this, that we would just yeah. carry it. And like as we kind of wind down, one of my friends, one of my great mentors, his name's Leonard Sweet, he said to me, he said, Paul, in order to understand, you gotta stand under. And so that's that's all we're saying. Like right now, let's stand together. I I said to I said to the to one of the students, I said, What do you need me to do? Um what, what, if I, what if I walked in, in a peaceful march? Would that help? And he said, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. So I'm like, I'm willing to do that. Um, I think the most important thing is this, is like honest conversation. Because mm-hmm. now there's like five other conversations that we could even have that, that we don't even have time for. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's been the bottom line issue is for us to understand that when somebody grieves, like this Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, right? It's just uh, denial, bargaining, ang- you know, anger, bargaining, um, depression, acceptance. That that there's no there's no expiration date on grief, and it doesn't have a rhythm to it in, and a time set on it. And I think right now the 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 best thing that we could do is grieve with the overall issue. Because the one person is just one example of so many others of a core issue. So I think that's where we didn't think you have to make it safe for me as a, as a, as a white person to be able to grieve differently. We just talked about there was a funeral that I went, and our church is very diverse. We have more mixed marriages, I think, than we do have regular marriages, but nobody's ever walking around thinking about that. It's just so unconscious because we're just here. And at the end of the day, in order for the kingdom of God to come, the king has to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I think this, this issue, all the way back to the, the Old Testament, all the way clear until Jesus restores and reboots the world and says, this is all mine, enough is enough, and yeah. he reclaims it. I wanna, Paul, you brought up a good point about grief. Yeah. And uh, I never realized that my African... American professors in seminary when, when I was in Memphis were grieving. Mm-hmm. We'd be in classes and they would say things that just sounded like anger and, and mean. It, it wasn't until February of this year I was praying and sitting around that I realized that they were grieving mm-hmm. because uh, many of them were also women. That's uh, one thing for a man, but to be a woman. They were grieving and they wanted to be heard. And uh, when I realized that, I, I just I heard I had a few tears that I, I didn't hear the grief. And uh, very proud of my seminary in Memphis. Uh, the first uh, African-American female dean, she since has moved on. Proud of my professors that challenged me. And um, I want to repent and say to them, I'm sorry yeah. that I did not hear them but I have heard them now. And I think we have a corporate responsibility. Mm. You know, as, a, as God's people and as a nation, we have a corporate responsibility 
to better ourselves. You know, it's not just my, not just the black community, not just the white community, not just the Latino or Asian community. We all have a responsibility to make this union mm. a perfect, a more perfect union. That's our responsibility. We're, we're the citizenry. And, 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 and if you fail to do that as a black person, you're failing the whole nation. And you, if you fail to do that as a police officer, you're failing the whole nation. If you fail to do that as a clergy, you're failing the whole nation because our, our responsibility is corporate. And my children, your children, will look back and say, well, why did my father or my mother, what did they do? What did our parents do to make this country a better country? We owe that to our children to make this uh, a better country. As a pastor, amen. <laughs> amen. I don't, I don't want my two girls to grow up in a uh, country where people feel over-angered and have to go out to the streets to protest just so they can be heard. Yeah. Uh, I don't want them to... I, 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 want, I want a better place for them. I, I, yeah. I want us to all live in the, the, the principles of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want, I want to thank everybody. I think yeah. we're going to wrap up, right? Yeah. I want to thank everybody for listening to this, and I think it's very, uh, it's very helpful to do this. Yeah. And, um, you know, here in Tewksbury, we, 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 we take this very seriously, yeah. and that's why we're here to talk about uh, the differences that we may have. Um, and I'm grateful that you're watching, and, and thank you. For doing that and i think i'm going to turn over to paul and i think he's going to wrap us up he, he closed it real smooth right there i think <laughs> very, very I nice think simeon yeah <laughs> baxter simeon like thank you so much hey you know what this is just a conversation there's a comma next to it there's there's not an exclamation we need mm -hmm. we need to remove the exclamation point begin to bend and remove the the question mark don't leave a period put a comma like continue i'm not going to be comfortable until my son can fall in love with somebody of color, that they can be loved like a daughter by me, mm -hmm. and that my parents and their grandparents love them, and they can come and go wherever they want, and nobody ever has a pause or hesitation. That, that is the world that we need. That's the kingdom of heaven. And until then, we have to call ourselves up. We have to call ourselves up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you. That was beautifully put. Thank you. <laughs> I said everything you told me. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Thank you. Love you too. God bless you, everyone. God, God bless. bless you. Thank you so much for attending service today. Please go to lowellag.org to keep up to date with everything that's happening with the church. God bless you, and we'll see you.